Hey, everyone, and welcome to IBM Think Leaders podcast. On today's episode, we're talking all about the ways that we can leverage AI for good. I had a fascinating conversation with tech humanist and optimistic futurist, Kate O'Neill. Kate really explored her own background and fascination with AI and how she's been able to really get people thinking about how they can use it to tackle some of these large issues facing humanity. And again, since she is a optimistic futurist, leaving it on a positive note. So it was a great discussion and I hope you enjoy. Happy listening. So Kate, welcome to IBM Think Leaders Podcast. Thanks. It's good to be here. So what are you what are you optimistic about when you look at our at our future right now? Well, it's funny. I, I think of optimism not so much as only seeing good. I see it as this integrated view of what's going on. And instead of giving in to the idea that we're always only headed for dystopia in varying degrees, <laughs> that instead looking and saying, how can we accept the reality of what's happening now and integrate all of our understanding about that and still work toward what's best, work toward what's really still possible. So that's the way I look tech for good or AI for good or any of it. There is potential for it to go badly and there is Mm -hmm. potential for it to go off the rails. But there is also always so much power to use it for the good of humanity. And that's the way I prefer to, to be focused, to steer us in that direction. Do you think a lot of times though we get bogged down by thinking about some of the pessimistic potential for for technology? Like how on your end are you able to basically say, here's some ways that this could go sideways, but on the flip side, here's how we can come together over these collective concerns that we have as a society and really kind of empower people to reassert their level of agency. Yeah, I think it's important that we recognize the risks. I think it's important that we're very eyes wide open about things like algorithmic bias and all of the ways that AI can trip us up or that the values we encode into data sets and into models and into algorithms, you know, can skew things about our human nature that we don't intend to scale in particular ways. So I think we need to be eyes wide open about that. And at the same time, I think we need to have a view of it that there's still so much potential for for recognition of what needs to happen to solve human problems at scale and to use the technologies and the resources that we have to do some of that that problem solving. So even at this stage of AI, we have demonstrable experience of being able to say, here's a human problem, here's a category of human problems, and here's how we could leverage emerging exponential technology to help humanity solve that problem. Mm-hmm. It seems that the term AI uh, causes a strong reaction uh, in in a lot of different ways. On on one person, uh, they can think of Terminator, and another person can think of this being leveraged to solve climate change. So how do you think we expand on the, the definition that AI can really be utilized for good? What we always do with any kind of future-looking technology or looking at any resource and how it scales into the future, we tend to skew the way we think about it in a very binary sort Mm -hmm. of way. All we've really been told in literature and culture, like science fiction, has groomed us to only see the world in terms of dystopia or utopia when we think about the future. And I think that's a really 
useless lens on the future. Mm -hmm. Because first of all, we know we're never really supposed to talk about utopia. That concept is out the window. Like no, <laughs> everyone can agree. That, that doesn't we, usually end well anytime <laughs> they try to go for utopia. Yeah. We're not getting utopia. Like that's no. not happening. And so that leaves us only with dystopia. So we only talk about the future in varying degrees of dystopia. Like this new thing that we're looking at as it relates to the human experience, like how much dystopia is this? And I mm -hmm. think that's a really harmful way to think about reducing everything to just that essence. I think we need to see it in a much more holistic, integrative way that there are good things that can happen with data, with technology, with modeling that data and bringing it to scale and, and solving human problems with it. And at the same time, we need to make sure that we're not modeling social injustices and you know, bringing those to scale and make sure that we're doing as much as we can to be aware of the systems that we're putting into those models. I know you've been involved in this tech space for a bunch of years and have a lot of firsts in your resume. So I'd love to hear really about how you got uh, heavily involved in the space and also just your general opinions about AI and digital literacy. In first grade, I won two statewide awards. One was for programming and one was for writing a book. In my undergrad work, I was a German major with a Russian and linguistics double <laughs> minor and a concentration in international studies. So, you know, not exactly the, uh, the undergrad education you would expect for somebody who later goes into technology. But I think the, the point there is that even then, I was interested in a range of things. And, and I think that's been true throughout my career and throughout my life, that I always seek a sort of generalist perspective. I, I want to know what there is to know about how technology impacts fashion or how, mm -hmm. you know, culture plays out at scale when you talk about like, why, for example, is, is Tiger King so hot right now? Like, what is it about the pandemic that's causing people to flock in culture, in, in entertainment culture, to something so absurd and weird? We only look at human problems and the solutions to human problems through one lens, like technology or AI, then we'll only get a very narrow read on it. But if we bring an integrative holistic lens that has sort of a, a generalist philosophy, we stand a chance of really recreating human experience writ large in a very meaningful way. And I, that's the future I would like to see. I'm curious then how you see that going, right? How do you, how do you attract students like yourself that didn't have the traditional computer science uh, education? How do you make it where, where it seems like AI really needs all disciplines involved? Well, I think we've made data and tech and AI and a lot of these things, in, in many cases, historically, we've made them seem very abstract and cold and hard to approach. And you, you had to have a certain, either a certain mentality and disposition to be attracted to it in the first place or a certain patience and, you know, sort of stubbornness or strength of will or whatever it is to remain interested in it once it was presented to you. And I think that's changing. I do see a lot of educators taking a more tactical, tangible way of talking about what algorithms are. For example, I've seen mm -hmm. some really great early education that uses physical shapes and the processing of rules in dealing with those physical objects to teach really young children about what's happening when they're, when they're making 
rules-based decisions about things. And it's sort of the precursor to teaching about, you know, data sets and algorithms, which, you know, gets, all of that gets into a really healthy mindset for thinking about AI and what emerging technologies can do for us, because it brings in this a very physical sense of, of human experience that's dimensional and sense-driven and connected to the real world, which I think absolutely we need. We need it not to be an abstraction that only exists in code. And if there is a type of person or types of people that you think have not been involved in this conversation that you think need to be more involved, who would that be? I think a lot of times it's it's folks who really do understand the human aspect of what's going on. So like mm-hmm. early childhood educators probably know a lot about how to break down abstract concepts like history or various kinds of math or whatever and teach them well to children. So combining what tech experts know about, you know, kind of how to break down the fundamentals of technology with what early childhood experts, education experts know about how to get those concepts across in, you know, kind of core, repeatable ways. That's important. And I think, of course, you know, that we've known for a while that the arts and Mm -hmm. culture and creativity piece is really important to be part of the package of holistic education. So that's a part of it, too. But it's looking across society, looking across the human experience and making sure we have a blended approach to thinking about these things. Because if we don't have a blended approach to what we create in technology, then the results of that technology are not going to allow us to have whole human experiences. And we need those whole human experiences. How do you think we can really incorporate that blended approach, right? Uh, Is this something that's going to be a greater level of of communities and signing certain new categories of, of people at companies? How do you imagine this blended approach really, really taking hold in the future? I spend a lot of time thinking about the human experience as it relates to our current context and how that changes with the types of changes that we have to platforms and to scaling aspects of society. So big changes, exponential changes, like a pandemic, for example, but also like the emergence of automated technology that can change the future of human jobs. So what that suggests to me is that we need to have a a solid grounding in culture and human experience. We need to be thinking about that as the through line. And then we need to bring in expertise around the different pieces of the context that are likely to change. So when we think about digital transformation, we need to understand the pieces of, when we talk about digital transformation, we're really talking about data transformation. So we need to understand data layers and we need to understand what pieces of the business and of the experiences that we're creating need to be understood at a data level in order to integrate them better into the operations and the decision-making of the organization, but also make them more seamless for the humans on the outside of the organization to be able to consume. Bringing expertise together and allowing people to riff off of each other and trying to figure out you know, what each of them knows is something that we could do with a lot more of across the board in work, in life, in general. So I'm curious from your own personal end, what has the rise of AI, what has that taught you? What have you learned about yourself? I have always been a student of meaning. That is the core of my work. And, you know, I mentioned I was a linguist by education. So I always joke that I got semantics for free with that. <laughs> uh, so, but then we think about all these other other layers of meaning, like purpose and relevance and significance, patterns, truth cosmic and existential meaning, like what's it all about and why are we here? There are all these ways that when we talk about meaning, we're talking about a lot of different things at once, but they all boil down to what matters. 
Meaning is always about what matters. And so to me, that is what's fundamental about the human experience is that we crave meaning. We're the only animal that we know of that is really self-aware and that ponders that kind of sort of meta question. So that's the lens that I use to think about anything, technology, AI, you know, how to help fix the world, you know, how to Mm -hmm. make the world a better place. (laughs) It's always about what can we do to focus more on what matters and how can we make experiences more about bringing what matters to light for the people who are going to be on the other side of, of those experiences. What are the issues you think that that matters right now to society where AI can really be leveraged for good? One of the models that I think is really useful is that United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, 17 goals that, you know, kind of across the types of like natural resources and the types of social, cultural interactions and community interactions that we have with each other deal with things like, you know, gender equality and poverty, as well Mm -hmm. as, you know, life below sea and all the kinds of issues that we need to address to make sure that the planet is taken care of, that people have the resources that they need and so on. And so there's really no better model that I know of that so holistically looks at what human experience on earth (laughs) is about and (laughs) how we need to think about improving that over the next, well, I guess remaining 10 years, because I think these were identified as goals to address by 2030. So I imagine that there may be a new set of goals that get identified as we approach 2030. But over the next 10 years, I think that's still the challenge. We still have a lot to do to address those aspects of quality of life, quality of life for everybody. Mm -hmm. So there's a tremendous opportunity for business to step up and look and see how can we apply the technologies of the day and what's coming to Mm -hmm. coming up with some sort of way that we can add value and collect on that value and help make humanity better in the long run. Uh, Kate, we mentioned in your your intro that you are an author, most recently of Tech Humanist, how you can make technology better for business and better for humans. So tell us a little bit about your book, Tech Humanist, uh, what inspired you to write it, and really what you've learned by speaking all about it. It's funny, I had actually begun work on Tech Humanist back when I finished the book before that, which was called Pixels in Place. And Pixels in Place was about the integration of physical and digital experiences and the fact that, you know, more and more of our online experiences are affected by where we are offline because it changes the context of how we experience them. And then more and more of our offline experiences are affected by online because we know that, for example, if we're in a retail store or a restaurant, that those brands, those companies have social media presences and web presences, and that changes the way that we interact with the company, with the brand. So there's so Mm -hmm. many of those kinds of ways that reality was bleeding over between physical and digital. And that's pre-pandemic. That's before, you know, everybody was kind of quarantined to their homes for weeks and weeks at a stretch. So the beginning of thinking about tech humanists came from pixels in place and thinking about how we can make the bleed over of those interactions between those kinds of worlds more human-centric, more meaningful. What changes that the aspect of all of those things is that data follows us wherever we go. Mm-hmm. We are increasingly living in a world where data comes out of everything we do. And then more and more of our experiences are optimized by data and by algorithms. And so the recognition of that sort of closed loop of increasing the amount of data that we generate and increasing the amount that that 
data that's generated is collected and turned around to change our experience. You know, there's a really important way that we need to find the alignment between what businesses are doing with the data and technology that they're using on behalf of their own profit and growth and what needs to happen to make sure that humanity at scale is best served by what's being done with that data and technology. So there's this kind of completion, I guess, of that thought where Tech Humanist is about digital transformation. It's a, it's a guide to business leaders and organizational leaders, cultural leaders, everybody who's in a position to try to approach digital transformation, but do so from a human-centric standpoint. Mm -hmm. How are you going to address what needs to happen for your business or for your organization or for your city or whatever the case may be on behalf of the humans who do business with you, who rely upon you and be successful in the process. So it, it really tries to address all of those pieces together at the same time. Well, your future sounds like a future that I want to live in, Kate. Thank you for coming on IBM Think Leaders podcast. Thank you, David. Thank you for listening to IBM Think Leaders podcast. We're trying to bring on uh, some great people to discuss the ways that AI is changing uh, society. If you enjoyed this podcast, uh, feel free to share it with a friend. Thank you. <laughs>